Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and today's guest probably needs no introduction because she is Jamie Finn of Foster the Family. And my goodness, you have been an inspiration to all of us on blog, Instagram, and all the things for a long time. But thank you for being here. Oh, thanks so much, Kathleen. That's a very sweet intro, and I'm happy to be chatting with you again. Thank you. My goodness. So I guess, I mean, for those who don't know, could you just tell us a little bit about how you got started fostering and why that was even a thing on your heart? Yeah. So we started foster care about seven years ago and we had like our one girl, one boy kind of perfect scenario. And we got to the point where it was like, well, what do we do now? we didn't feel like the right thing for our family was to stop or to keep going the traditional way. (laughs) And I really have kind of always had this drive, even just as a kid to like do important things, do big things, kind of just like, I want to change the world sort of (laughs) mindset. And so here we were like in suburbia with our two kids. And it was kind of like, well, what does it look like to live really radically on mission and for the good of others in this kind of traditional world that we were living in? And foster care felt like this, this bridge between kind of like our normal life of just raising our kids and working and this other like just super missional, super others were uh, centered and like really mercy centered sort of living. And so that was the pull into it, even though I don't think that either of us expected that we would still be doing it in seven years. It was kind of like a, let's try this out and see where it's going. But it pretty quickly became clear that this was like a life calling and that I didn't really see an end in sight. And that's what it's been for us since. So that is amazing. That has felt like a calling for your family. How do you feel like, cause I think this is something that a lot of people ask me and ask you, I'm sure about, you know, what do you, how do your bio kids do with all the change and all the transition that happens when you say, okay, we are life mission, foster care people. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think there's a clear cut answer to that because sometimes when I think people ask that the answer they want is my kids are totally fine. It's been completely positive for them. And I just don't think that that's an honest answer. And it's not a complete answer to any question. Well, how do your kids do in any of life's different changes and struggles? And how would they do if you had more biological children or if they were an only child? Or And I think the heart of that is that we love our kids so deeply and we want what's best for them. And we think that the traditional path of living is like, well, that is the way. And anything from that is this scary thing that you have to have like miraculous faith for, or this like special personality for where really it's like everything our kids experience is something that shapes and forms them into who they are. 
And my kids have had a lot of experiences with kids coming in our home, with saying goodbye to siblings, with really coming alongside of uh, struggling families and understanding some of the things that vulnerable families walk through and, and some of the things that people who've been touched by trauma and live in a broken world have been affected by. And so the simple answer is like, yeah, they're great. Everything's great. It's also much more complex than that. They have encountered a lot of loss. And, you know, I believe, I know you do as well, that all of us are touched by secondary trauma because we have kids with trauma in our home. So that's kind of best case scenario. Best case scenario is that we are only touched by secondary trauma. You know, worst case scenario is actually many of us experience primary trauma. Many of us experience the trauma of, kids with really challenging, disruptive, chaotic behaviors, some of them with aggression or violence or acting out sexually, whatever the things are. And at the very least, just loss and grief of saying goodbye to siblings. So it is never as simple as, well, as long as you're kind of guaranteeing my kids are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I think they definitely are going to be okay, but maybe not in the in the traditional sense that we're thinking of, meaning easy. Mm. It's not going to be easy for them, but it doesn't mean that it's not the right thing for them or that God won't use those things to shape them into who he has them to be. Mm. Yes, that is probably the best answer I've heard of that question. Because <laughs> it's one that I get all the time. I know you do too. And it's just, I think it's a fear-based question, which exactly. I can totally certainly validate and understand. Oh, and I asked it a million Same. percent. Yeah. <laughs> Same. But one thing that I love about you is that you share so beautifully and so honestly, it feels very vulnerable at times, but always very truthful. And so I'm curious as someone else who shares, you know, foster care journey stuff online, how do you, have you ever felt, I guess, that you don't, you're sharing too much or you're not sure if you should share this? And have you ever kind of struggled in, in or inwardly about that? Sure. I think that there is wisdom involved there. I, you know, I think anytime you're sharing with people outside of your immediate trusted circle, there definitely needs to be a question of, I want to be real and raw, Mm -hmm. but also, and in the moment, I want to share in weakness, but I also think that we need to share a little bit in healing, meaning like people shouldn't be going through the muck with us Mm -hmm. of, are unhealed stuff. So I want to be real about the emotions. I want to be real about the experience, but I don't want people to be pulled into my mess. So I think there's some pieces there of just the way I share personally, but I will say I'm more open personally than I am about my kids. Mm -hmm. And I've thought about this. I think that one thing that makes it easy for me to share about my kids is that I have so many of them. And so I think what can be hard about sharing is, you know, if I had one child in my home who was touched by trauma, then anytime I'm talking about behaviors or issues or stories, it's that one child. So I'm really careful. You know, I have four kids in my home right now who have come to us through foster care, two are adopted. I have one who's like neurodivergent and has some mental health things. So I have a pretty like broad, like I can just say one of my kids um, and it opens people into like the real life experience of a home that's walking through trauma behaviors and dealing with different stories and all that without being 
it's just protective and honoring of my kids, I hope. And that's really my heart. And I've had to learn that, honestly. I think I was much more like, this makes for a great story when I first started. But that always needs to be secondary to honoring my kids and also secondary to making sure that it's actually going to serve someone. Mm. So there can be times where like, yeah, man, this day was mess, but well, who does this actually serve? Like if I'm in the muck of it and they're in the muck of it and there's no sort of lesson here, well, I don't need to pull people into that. So as much as I want to be real and raw with myself and as much as I want to use our experiences to serve others, it needs to serve others. And so those are the times where, where I don't share when like, yeah, I have no lesson here. I have no and even if the lesson is, hey, just so you know, I'm really struggling if you're struggling too. Well, there, there's a lesson there. There's something there for someone. But just making sure that it's honoring my kids and really serving others as well. I love that so much. Yeah, I actually had someone come into my inbox, you know, a couple weeks ago that was like, why are you sharing so much about your kids? And I'm like, I've never shared. You don't know their names. You don't know anything like right, right, right. identifying about them. And you don't even know much about their story. But I... I'm curious, like, how do you deal with, I mean, you have such a big following. How do people, how do you deal with like strangers on the internet coming at you when it's about your kids, it's about your family, it's about your own experience? So I think part of this has to do with our personalities and the way that we're made. And, you know, I, I am not someone who other people's opinions have ever really kept up at night. So my friends will often, I have a couple, I forget if you're an Enneagram person. Are yes, you? Yes, okay. Yeah. So I have a couple, like two of my very best friends are twos Same. and I'll, okay. You're two. Well, that's why you're asking this question because you're like, no, someone doesn't like me. What do I do? How do I make this right? I'm going to be your best friends. Do you like me now? Where I'm kind of like, dude, you don't even know me. Like, so I think there's that it's like my personality. I also think there's learned experience. Things used to get to me more. And now it's just like anything else in life. Like first time your baby cries, you're like, oh my gosh, they're crying. The hundredth time you're like, okay, please stop crying. So it's just like practice. But I think a bigger real answer to that is just this idea that like, if you live for the praise of man, then you die by the criticism. So I also received the most absurdly like you and me should be best friends. And we, you know, I want to be you when I grow up and you are my inspiration. I am like, Oh yeah. If you were in my home, you wouldn't think any of those things. So I think I'm easily able to go like, yeah, that's not real. And that's not real. You know what? I'm not as bad as you think. And I'm not as good as you think. And I think if I were living for that praise and that like adoration that I don't deserve, then I would probably take to heart the criticism more as well. But it kind of all comes through this filter of like, oh, that's nicer. Oh, that's mean. But neither of you really actually know me. And so none of this really gets deep into my heart. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Oh, that's <laughs> such a great way of looking at it. And it's so true. Like it's just, there's just way bigger, better things to live for than the praise or lack thereof from people, sure. people that don't know us on the internet. Right. Exactly. So I love what you share. I love how you share. And I think so many people do. It resonates with so many foster moms and prospective foster moms. What is really, I know you've got so many projects in the works and things that you mm -hmm. have that are so exciting. What are some things that are coming up for you that you're excited about? And also what is your heart behind 
your, your, I guess your vision behind what's the long-term plan for you as far as your role as an advocate for foster care and, and supporting foster moms? Oh boy, you just asked a question that I am going to try my hardest to answer in like two minutes instead of two hours. <laughs> okay, so my big driving goal is that as many vulnerable families and children receive loving, empathetic, compassionate, gospel-driven, hopefully, support as possible. So when you start with the goal, then you kind of move backward to like, all right, so what does that look like? Well, I feel like for me and for Foster the Family, the answer to that is equipping the foster parents, potentially adoptive parents, social workers, ministry workers, all of that, who are serving those families to do so with compassion and gospel-driven and empathy and, and education. And so personally, I love to write about it. I love to talk about it. I love to teach about it. And then professionally with this foster family, which personal and professional is kind of all intermingled, but is that we are equipping foster parents to, to care for their children well, to care for their children's families well, to do this thing with education, information, support, encouragement. So you know, part of that is that the mission statement of Foster the Family, the organization, is to support and encourage foster parents to mobilize the church and community for foster care and to advocate for vulnerable children and families. So that is what drives me. What drives me is those things, supporting and encouraging, mobilizing others to get involved. And then in whatever ways, and this is typically more me personally, but actually getting involved in and advocating for those kids and families. So what that looks like for me right now, um, my book will be released in spring of 2022. And what that really is, is a huge piece of my heart, which is the, the desire that I had when I became a foster parent to open God's word and <laughs> see it speak to me as a foster parent about what it meant to do this thing. I'm like, okay, yeah, I know how to be a godly wife and a godly mom and a godly student. I got, because I have all these resources that have brought to light things that are in God's word, but just like digging into scripture of like, well, what does it mean? What does God's word say to like visits? <laughs> it doesn't talk about visits, but it actually does. Mm -hmm. And so my heart is to bring direction and encouragement from God's word specifically to foster parents to do this thing in a way that glorifies God in a way that loves others well. So that is really the heart behind there, behind the book. And then as for the organization, we just have been so blessed to have this amazing network established in New Jersey and to be able to do such amazing work. And my heart is for every community in the country to have what we have here. And so we are like slowly but surely working towards that and expanding and bringing it to other locations. So starting other branches of Foster the Family, starting support groups around the country, and just looking to bring really holistic support to foster families. Mm -hmm. So that was not two minutes, but it also wasn't two hours. So I think it was pretty good. Right, right where it should be. I love it. Yeah. Um 
Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety reducing email course all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. So at when, at what point in your foster care journey were you like, okay, I'm foster mom and this is awesome, but now I want to do more. I want to start these programs for families so that they feel supported and empowered in their foster care journey. How did that start for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I was asked to write something for a church newsletter just for our small church about foster care. And I wrote it and the editor who was creating this newsletter came back and was like, this is really good. You should start a blog. And I put it on the internet and it went viral. And so I was sort of immediately gifted with a platform that I wasn't ready for, that I hadn't earned and I didn't really have the education or the experience behind it, but I've grown into it over you know, six years or so. So I was sort of immediately given a voice and had to earn that voice. And so since then, I think hopefully my writing has become more helpful, more informed and experienced. And then from there, I was being asked to speak at different events and different conferences. And then, and so I had all these things that were sort of nationally based and were far reaching outside of my community. And I really felt a deep conviction that here I was, traveling to other places to speak to other foster parents. And I didn't even know foster parents in my own community. And I wasn't really serving my own community at all. And so Foster the Family New Jersey and really the organization was birthed out of a conviction that I should be serving my community. And so the question of like, what does it look like to serve our community? Started with a support group, then started asking the question of what does it look like to serve foster parents really practically. And that was an easy answer because I just looked at my own life and was kind of like, well, where, how do I need to be served? And I knew of other organizations that were sort of doing these first day bags and stuff like that, but I'd received them and they were very generic and borderline unhelpful. And so it was kind of like, all right, what does it look like to actually really serve foster parents. Well, when I need to be served is on my hardest days when I'm crying and I need someone to talk to. All right. So what does it look like to have support and mentorship and relationships and community there? When do I need to be served? I need to be served on the first day of placement when a kid shows up and they don't have anything and I'm overwhelmed. Okay. Well then let's actually bring stuff to the doorsteps of these families when they're desperate. So it was pretty easy to start thinking through what does it look like to support foster families? Cause I knew what it looked like. And I'm, you know, I love to create things and to get other people involved in those things. And that's what we did. And it was very ground roots. It was very like, are we going to be able to pay the bills in two months? And in my basement, just stuff accumulating. And then kind of every last volunteer, like, Hey, do you want to come serve foster families? And and it's grown since then. And it, you know, run on a day-to-day basis by people who are much more capable than I am to do that kind of stuff. And so it's really just been a gift to be a part of it the entire time from start to finish. And to answer your initial question again, it was really just a conviction of, I need to be serving my local community. What does that look like? 
And it's all come from there. And then it's going back to this national piece again. It went from national to local. And now the question again is, all right, what does it look like to bring this more broadly? And it's super exciting to see that happen. So it is so exciting. I feel like so many people are like behind you and behind the mission that you have in your heart. And they just, you, so much of what you share just resonates with them. And I know people are excited to support you in like every state. <laughs> so that's Yeah, I feel really grateful. It's really exciting to have an idea, have vision and to have other people jump right on. It's, it's really a joy. So. Well, it says a lot about you as a leader too, that they would just be willing to trust you so much and know that like, this is going to be amazing for the foster families. That, mm. that so that's exciting. Mm, I hope so. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, people probably know where to find you online, but I would love for you to be able to share with them and just share anything else that is upcoming, any ways that we can help support what you're doing um, or anywhere we can find more info about this spreading out of Foster the Family. Cool. Yeah. You can find me. I hang out mostly on Instagram at foster the family blog. And to be honest, I don't regularly blog anymore. Anything that's on my blog is really just going to be a repost from Instagram. (laughs) Um, So that's where most of what I'm doing. And then the organization is fosterthefamily.org. And right now we have branches in New Jersey and DC. We're looking to branch out soon. In the next month, we're starting to launch 10 support groups around the country. So fosterthefamily.org is the place to go to learn about like the work that we're doing. And then my book is going to be called Foster the Family too. So basically all you have to do is Google Foster the Family and you'll find anything that's related to me. We're not super creative in the name department. Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what I said. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Amazing. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. I know that you're a busy woman and I just appreciate you taking the time out and chatting with us. Oh yeah. I'm so happy to. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for the work that you're doing and, and your voice. So I appreciate the invite.